0: <clears throat> <clears throat> namo tassa bhagavato serve a goat door at all, some masam, but as a no more to serve Dum Dum Wang Song So though one can cultivate uh, mindfulness using prescribed uh, systems and that's just a good like a five finger exercise to strengthen and freshen up and uh, cultivate a kind of precision and ability to sustain attention on one point Uh, and this is all like you know a good exercise uh, really uh, the development of mindfulness is not really a system. You can't have to get past that or through that, come through that through a system into something that's more organic, natural, and pertinent. And here the word to bear in mind, um, appropriate attention or yoni proper attention, deep attention, attention to what is suitable, careful attention to what is suitable. So, you know, we kind of, how do we start this thing? Uh, yeah, so we do some exercises, we follow some forms and systems and train ourselves. Uh, and basically, you know, sati, you have the four establishments, uh, body, feeling, Citta, awareness, and uh, dhammas—the various uh, systems and uh, cult and programs that come out of a an skillful and unskillful awareness. These four are nested in each other, and the entry place is mindfulness of body because that gives you a, the body is both affected by feeling, which is the second. It's the, um, a base for awareness a fairly reliable base for awareness. And within this f- experience, you can you can uh, contemplate the effects of unskillful and skillful factors. So the body is the crucible, or the embodiment is the crucible for the other three establishments. So you have this body, so we have breathing, sitting, standing, walking, reclining, uh, moving around, mm awareness of one's body internally, awareness of one's body as it's moving past other bodies, awareness of what one assumes about one's body as an object, you know, that kind of default abstract notion, uh, which is like a, you know, it's kind of, you know, (laughs) as if one could see one's body from the outside and we're concerned about what it looks like or what people think of it, you know. Well, this is derived body. What well, is the body internally? That's when you go over really it inside and there's no hair, no teeth, uh, no organs. There's just movement, warmth, <coughs> fluidities, pressures, so forth, and within that a kind of stillness. So internal, external, being with that, and then the feeling, quality of disagreeable or agreeable uh, feeling. This experience, agreeing, disagreeing, favoring, opposing, um, resisting, relishing, uh, delving into, pulling back from, uh, wanting something to hurry up and pass away, uh, wanting something to stay a bit longer. (laughs) This is the way that we contemplate agreeable, disagreeable feeling. Neutral feeling when it comes into poise, balance for a moment, mm. and then swings. Mm. Yeah. So, and out of this uh, feeling is very significant because this uh, is the springboard for uh, activations, sankharas. You know, we're pleasant, we rise up. Unpleasant, ooh, we recoil. Mm. We defend, we stiffen. Agreeable, we merge, we, we well up, we reach out, we sink into Some that. Those primary forms of activation occur, sankara. And what triggers feeling, mm. sense contact, and perceptions, mental perceptions. Mm. Mental perceptions. I'm welcome. I'm loved. I'm befriended. Agreeable perception. I'm stupid. I'm late. I'm lazy. I'm the odd one out. Disagreeable perception. Mental perceptions such as this, and so on. Perception, mental perceptions based on present condition or on past condition. I was. Wronged, abused, unpleasant. Mm. I was once loved and now it is no more, unpleasant. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Unpleasant perceptions based on the future, I will die. I will be sick and lonely and old and crumble and nobody will love me and I'll die. Well, yeah. Agreeable perception based on the future. I'll get out of this retreat and have a good time. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah. (laughs) What did I do this for anyway? Mm -hmm. Agreeable perception based on the future. Where is this? Where is all this? This is mind, isn't it? And how the mind is so difficult to to corral, to stabilize, it just swings. Because it has no location, <laughs> so it, it it creates its locations: future, past, should be, ought, belong to. Uh, I own this. I own this. I live here. I go there. She is mine. He is. He is not mine. You know, belonging, ownership. Uh, I will do. So I believe in, You know, something of the mind. <coughs> locates itself in for a while and then that location sort of fades out and we have another one people get located in their views and opinions their partisan politics their their football teams (laughs) you know and you get located oh yes this is it this is real this is true i am this you know i feel okay and crumble because there's an opposition to that so mental locations are Inherently, the mind generates them, but whatever it generates is subject to dissolution. Mm? So we say, well, you know, just be aware that the temptation of all that, not just the temptation, a pleasurable temptation, but the, this will make me secure <laughs> by belonging to this, by owning that, by having this, by believing in that. This will be secure and lasting and I will feel... mm, Be careful of that, yeah. And yeah, you know, say, well, what is the most secure? What gives you the most sense of stability? Perhaps I'll be truthful. I'll try to be truthful. (laughs) Maybe that's not a bad place to reside your mind. I will try to be truthful. I will aspire to, to realization. I will take refuge. You know, something for the mind. I'll locate myself in that. And the others I'll allow, you know, I recognize they can change because this is a more secure refuge. Refuge in truth, refuge in practice, refuge in commitment, refuge in virtue. I will always try. You know, to keep reminding myself of the integrity, quality, and keep coming up to that. You know, aspiration, perhaps, is our is our best location. Mm. Completion, perhaps, not available yeah. yet. Complete, you know. Mm, aspiration, we abide in that. And I will establish mindfulness. I will at least work on that. Appropriate mindfulness. Mm. What is appropriately mindful of? Above all forms of mindfulness, you know, the thing to bear in mind is mindfulness of Dhamma, of the Dhamma, the practice. Mm. And as we are coming, we begin to recognize our territories, our pressures and pushes, our sags and lurches, our joys and sorrows, so Actually, what is the appropriate placing of attention, placing of mindfulness? Is it gonna be just purely on, say, the movement of my feet or my hands or We're looking at where is it that that my mindfulness will help to resist that which is, sweeps me away? Where is it my mindfulness will help me to bear up and sustain that which nourishes me, that which gives me ground, that which calms and steadies me? Yeah. And this is gonna be essentially in the mind and in, the mind supported in the body, because the mind needs a location in the here and now. and It can't find it as something to rest in, except in the body, right? I mean, you can create an idea, but you create it. Uh, You want something to really sit in and rest in You need something other than what your mind creates. You can't juggle plates and and sit on them at the same time. (laughs) So you, you create this, the nest of attention in your body, bring it in there and you can contemplate from there what sustains mind in a quality of resisting that which is unskillful Sustaining, bearing, uplifting that which is skillful, that which I aspire to. Mm. This is Deep Attention, it's a wisdom faculty and you, be, one begins to notice, say, uh, you know, the unskillful, uh, the compulsive, the thing where I'm just automatic, thrown into things, and that's going to be around, say, the pull of something we're attracted to, craving for gratification, also uh, into systematization. Let's get into something where i just be able to feel, I don't have to take responsibility, I could just kind of be held in some system or form. And this is something we, because our longing for security is perhaps more tenacious than our longing for pleasure. You know, it makes sense really, if you share security or pleasure, if your house is on fire, you don't want to eat a banana in the front room. You won't. <laughs> Even however good it is, you, you get out. <laughs> however, however, right, however bad the weather is, you get out. <laughs> so that push for security. And so, you know, and so there can be lots of group conforming that occurs, conforming rather than harmony. It's march along because then we feel secure and you notice the you know security is of course big issue these days isn't it because it always is but now it becomes a political topic and just the amount of of stuff one will endure for the sake of security the amount of tethering of one's freedom (laughs) and individuality and spontaneity and humanity one will will endure because we feel it makes us safe yeah. And we're under the system, which will, will make us safe. And there's no humanity in it, there's no negotiation. This is the system, you are safe. Shut up, you are safe. <laughs> Be grateful, we're looking after you. <laughs> Just march this way, sign this paper. Yes, 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 I am safe. Yeah, you know, wow. And is there one ever safe in this world? It's not safe. You know, you get percentages of it, but it's just not safe. You know, there's this thing called death <laughs> that you signed up for when you got born. That can happen any day. That's the boundary of our territory. Mm. That's the polar push of it. May I conform, and I'll be safe. And so you notice when you're starting to freeze and get rigid, because the, um, the body doesn't believe in these these abstractions. Mm. Feel yourself pushed, pressured, squashed, shut down, objectified, statistic. Feel your body, you harden up, go numb. And security, when it's like that, is frightening. Because once that system kicks in and you are uh, a number, a name, you're an object. And once a human being becomes an object, there's nothing terrible that people will not do to somebody was an object. The subjective humanity dis- disappears. The empathy disappears. Yeah. The spontaneous outreach of goodwill or offering or patience or gratitude, all that disappears and you just number, name, Yeah. And as we see, this is the war, isn't it? This is the ongoing war. It's the war against the bad people. <laughs> yeah. Whoever they may be, whoever we decide they are, the object, the evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind of becomes true. You treat people like objects, what do you think is gonna happen? And so on and so on and so on. So don't treat yourself like an object, or expect to be an object, something that's exactly right, systematized, normal, same as fitting in exactly <laughs> according to what it says in the book, how to meditate, you know. It's not that these things are wrong, they're not wrong, but they are as good as they can get which is this, is, this is a set of words, an object that you can look at with your eyes and you just measure up to it. And you see where are the, where are the pressures? Where's the compulsion? What can you actually sit in? What can you allow yourself to relax into? Where do you feel your faith, your confidence, your trust arise? Mm-hmm. So even, you know, myself, just my own inclination, such as it is, you know, it's a, sometimes I might look at a meditation manual and think, oh God. Oh. You know, I can't do that. no. You can't make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go th- over the hoops through the hoops and all oh, this kind of this and that and the five of these and two of those. <laughs> not a circus animal, you know, I just... <laughs> let me be, let me be. <laughs> and then you sit down and, like, oh. and you come into yourself and then after a few months later you realise, oh, oh, I just went through all those things that was in the book but I didn't realise I was doing it. <laughs> There was description, there were maps of a territory that one walks on. So the map is useful, but you don't walk on the map. And sometimes you have a little detour, you know. But yeah, it's true, and yet it's also not true. So we say, just take it simple. What comes to you as you sit and stand and walk? Just the simplicity of a body. And you feel qualities of agreeable feeling, disagreeable feeling arising. And you feel certain compulsions, pressures to go away, to have, to, to sustain, giving up. You know, and then what is useful for you? What is appropriate for you? To bring around the quality of settling, uh, a centering that allows you to discard Fear, agitation, craving, ill-will towards yourself or others, harshness, hmm? laziness, can't be bothered, indolence. What helps you to skim those off? And you realize know, there's a purity in there which is revealed as you skim away these Hindrances and traces and distortions come to centre. Cannot be defined apart from. We skimmed away that. We skimmed away that. We peeled back that, and something is revealed. Mm. Feeling, what you what is felt, either through body sense contact or through mental apperception, right, is the place where the triggering occurs. So, and the the mental feeling or the feeling derived from mental favoring and opposing a perception will always trump the bodily feeling. It'll always be bigger, it'll always push that aside. So for example, people can derive pleasure from flagellation, from, you know, beating each other, from you know, you can derive people can derive pleasure from that, feeling, Oh, this is really good, really intense, getting off of this, you know. We can derive pleasure from bodily torment of this kind. People derive pleasure from tormenting others. We can, mind can be gratif- in, a, in a strange feverish pleasure from something that's directly painful. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, mental feeling is, uh, and that will overcome physical feeling. So, you know, you derive pleasure, make physical, you know, less perverse things, you know, sports where you exert yourself and you sweat and you strain and you get kicked and bruised and you still feel good. Yeah. Um, endurance, you feel, you feel buoyant, you feel vital, you feel good. So, you, so that will overcome the, the physical discomfort. And this is both a strong point and a weak point, depending on how you handle it, because it's not the feeling that's important, but whether it sustains, takes you back to center and sustains your mindfulness, sustains your sense of, your sense of just being with conditions as they arise. So, for example, most of us experience some physical pain or discomfort, just sitting in meditation. Yeah that's uncomfortable. And it comes at the point where you, you move around, you twitch and I' this fidgeting around is I find it's disagreeable. Yeah. Actually, it feels more agreeable just to bear with that the quality of bearing with gives a sense of strength, clarity, and I could be with the, the physical discomfort, but I'm also feeling a sense of mental strength, clarity, and so forth. It's take me back to center. But on the hand and I'm feeling physical pain, my mind is saying, you should be strong, you should be tough, you should get through this, don't give up. So it's it's a kind of, then then it's getting off on being heroic. And does that take you to center? Does it take you to a calm place? Or does it take you to a a place where you're trying to prove something to yourself about how tough or strong or resilient or committed you are? Mm. So just be aware of that. Does it take you to a center? of coolness and steadiness. So the way we respond to physical pain, mm, way, where does it take you to? Similarly with mental discomfort, you know, we feel disagreeable mental perceptions arising, memories, painful memories, doubts about oneself mm. and so forth what is the appropriate being with that gives you a sense of steadiness and calm rather than uh, kind of what I call doormat patience (laughs) which is letting it all crash, crash, crash on top and feeling you know a sense of uh, acquiescence or mm, what does it take you to center? The center is not a defeat. It's not, uh, uh, you know, you give up to experiences. You know, that's the way it is in a defeated way. Now it's very important to to just get a sense of this center where the mind is poised, not ideologically poised in an ideology, not centered in uh, trying to prove oneself, not centered in giving up on oneself, not centered in what you think you should be, not centered in what it says in the book, not centered in what you hope your teacher wants you to be, but just centered in center. (laughs) just this. Viveka, one is disengaged from these tides and eddies of perception and mental formation. It's a place of no clinging, where clinging doesn't take over. So mindfulness, being with and witnessing, the pool of feeling, emotion, perception, activations, ideologies, belief systems, hopes for the future, uh, you know, dread of the future is now being with this cascade of mind and using the body as a centering system. Walking, standing, sitting, reclining, breathing in, breathing out, whole body steady, here and within all this mass of warmth and pressures and tinglings and contractions, there's a quiet center. The very essence of here Feeling, perception, mental activations, mental programs, uh, sense contact, body as a sense organ, all these are affected by clinging. And consciousness also, the that which keeps presenting things to you. Activated consciousness. These uh, are affected by clinging. That is, they, they are continually bringing in material that there's inclination to stick to, to wrangle with, to build something on, to fret about, to identify with, to, you know, push against, to get engaged with. <laughs> yeah. You're affected by that. And an that, that engagement that's just habitual and compulsive rather than a clear focused response, but actually just the sort of compulsive, oh well, you know, shoved along. Mm -hmm. The affected by clinging, called the five kunda affected by clinging. And uh, a very simple um, maxim that helps us to understand what liberation is, the Buddha said, this is the deathless. The deathless is just jitta with no clinging. So that's really concise, isn't it? It's just If that isn't there, that's what you can call it, deathless. If You want to call it something, this center where the ties of clinging, the effects of that sticking, riveting, pushing, resisting, wrangling, entangling, identifying me, you, that that kind of mechanism, that dynamic, doesn't do it anymore, or stops, briefly, for a moment, for a second, at any time, to a degree, less, you know. The more, less, the, the, the more one is mindful of that very mechanism, and you're with it as it arises, and you step back. You see the temptation of clinging, which says, this will make you firmer. This will make you happier. This will make people like you. This will prove you're in the right camp. This will make you feel you belong to something. This is little, you know, this is the right system. This is the right idea. You will have the right idea, which will be true. <laughs> Forever. The answer, this is the answer. It's, oh. <laughs> we've got it sorted out, we've found the answer. This is it, ding. And now we'll impose it on everybody for their welfare. <laughs> Cling. You know. So just aware of these tides, the tides of clinging. As they offer, pleasant feeling. Unpleasant feeling, fight it. Unpleasant feeling, fight it, entangle with it, complain about it, whine about it, feel self-pity about it, get agitated about it, curse, blame somebody for it. (laughs) Blame yourself for it, blame your parents, blame the world. There's lots of things you can blame for unpleasant feeling. It's got to be somebody's fault. (laughs) Past life for unpleasant feeling. Feeling is just unpleasant feeling is unpleasant feeling. You know, who, why, where, that's, that's yeah, that's a topic that one can go into. But right now, here we are, unpleasant feeling is part of life. There has to be room for it to not be clung to in that clinging of resistance. So clinging is not necessarily enjoying. It's a sense of adherence, identification, and what can come out of that? That suddenly awareness is adopted by, and then we're, when we start get going the movement starts. That's, that's clinging. Clinging, then this movement called becoming. An identity, a plan, a project, an entity is generated in our mind. That's subject to passing away, changing, and not being, again, being something that's of a nature to change. Clinging, becoming, birth, death. It's these potentials. Now, you know, uh, a very unfortunate turn of phrase is, you know, I'm a really clingy kind of person. I do a lot of clinging. I've got to try and stop clinging. I hope nobody noticed how clinging I am to. I'm getting clung to. I really cling to something. You know, Buddhism. I cling to. My sangha, I cling to my teacher, I cling to people. I am a terrible clinger. (laughs) I cling to my house, my car, my parrot. (laughs) My Nike trainers, everything. I touch, I cling. Actually, you don't cling to any of it. They cling to the perceptions. The perceptions of those things are subject to clinging. You know, if you really clung to your house, it would be... you'd be, be stuck to you, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the perception of home, comfort, security, mind, reliable... Oh, yeah, that perception, yeah. And then you look at the thing. Does it actually, is it actually like that? Is it? No, you've got to keep working on it, tidying it, cleaning it, fixing it, repairing it, putting the locks on the doors, it's not secure. Then the roof gets springs a leak, then the pipe springs a leak. You know, you've got to keep fixing it. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do, which is be mine, be secure, make me happy forever. So you start to review. You know, you didn't cling to your house or your car. You clung to the mythologies that the mind evoked out of those things. The seductive mythologies of secure, happy, comfortable, okay, settled. And it isn't. So, you know, we learn to, you know, and then you think, oh my dear, I didn't, mean there's no no security no comfort no happiness no contentment. yes there is it's just not there it's in this lightness flowing through the world of forms with no clinging then you feel secure comfortable at home moving through this without the clinging sense of lightness, security, comfort, ease, agility, intelligence, fl- flexibility, patience, contentment, ability to let go. One feels a lot more free than what clinging provides. It's a, it's a very simple piece actually when you get through the mythologies and the fixities and the attachments and the assumptions that just flood in and the mind is riveted in them because it's been told to be riveted in them it's been impressed upon it for years when you get through that, and say look actually this stuff does not do what it's supposed to do it does it for a little while and then it's gone Otherwise, there would be no need to to meditate or practice. We'd be fine. But the mythology persists. Because you pick up the magazine and there's somebody in their house, smiling, happy, contented, comfortable, assured. Wow. Where's that? And you turn the page. And there's a... You know, furnishings, comfortable, clean, tidy, not grubby, not stained with dog puke. (laughs) (laughs) Delightful, wonderful, wow, they got it, I want it. (laughs) Mythologies, isn't it? Perceptions that arise. And it can seem so kind of uh, sour to say, yeah. But it, it's so, it, one can, you know, the Buddha is teaching not for some kind of miserable, crabby, cantankerous, ascetic position. So, look, this is, I know what's better for you. I found this. Investigate for yourself. Yeah, just have a little, you know, faith. Just let go of a little bit. A little bit feels good, or you get you feel somehow steadied in that, the faith arises, make a little energy comes in there, you try a little bit more. A little bit more. And it's not about hair shirts or psychological torture to repudiate something, it's just to cut the mythology, cut the fantasy. You know? are the belief that there is a fantasy that would get you there. And to know what a fantasy is, they feel good. Mind loves them. Mental feeling is very, very unreliable. But when you place it in your body, you feel that kind of surging, rushing, this is not pleasant, this is agitated, this is feverish. This is pleasant. Going deep, settling, releasing, this is pleasant. Ah. Mm. Mm. So the body helps enormously because although it's possible to obtain mental pleasure from physical torment, from ideological beliefs, from bullying other people, from being a power hungry, from gratification. It's possible with the same mental pleasure. You come into your body and you check it out. Feel either numbed out, tight, hard, frozen, stirred up, restless, agitated, (laughs) surging with passions that flare up and surge and or you can feel this calm center line, this is pleasant. This is agreeable. Nibbana paramang Nibbana is the most worthwhile, furthest reaching pleasure. The pleasure of letting go. Not unpleasant. And so this is the validity of mindfulness of body, where the mind can be very easily seduced and deceived uh, but your body, you know it. You can know it, you can have an infallible test. Does this bring you to center? Does this bring you to stability? Does this bring you to the place where you don't have to make some kind of effort to prove or have to hold on? Does it bring you to a place of balance which supports itself? Doesn't that feel good whenever that comes around? I tell you, that's, that's, that's the test. Yeah, and so just contemplate and notice how much time, how much one's energy to go into the head, concocting ideas, hopes, suppositions, ideologies that will get me there. And really what's happening beneath all that is the energy is surging into your head rushing around, producing stuff. And we kind of give credence to the, to the charging and the arousal experience, fired up. And what we're being encouraged to is, can you give a little more attention to the discharging, which is not a collapse, but a, a release back to center, to stillness. Releasing isn't that pleasant frightening, perhaps you know um you know perhaps a little bit frightening If I do this, what will that mean? Will I have to get rid of my parrot, my car? <laughs> No, no, just don't, don't do that thinking about it. Just do it. <laughs> Can you do this as a lay person? Don't, don't think about it, don't, you're not a lay person. <laughs> that is a construction. Right now, there's no layperson, no monks, no nuns. It's just this discharge, impurity, presence. How long do I do it? No, don't think about how long that, <laughs> <laughs> That's a construction. That's time. And time is a construction. Numbers is a construction. Right? Notice what time does. Time is always the push towards. You know, moving out or hanging around, waiting, not enough time, too much time, time on my hands, time on my back. Time is what? It's a pressure in the nervous system, right? As a direct felt experience. So another set of perceptions and sankharas. When you think of what, when you say, how long does this take? What this means is I'm impatient. (laughs) Okay, that's fair enough. Now, how does impatience feel? Can you let go of time? And when I get the result, no. (laughs) That quality, I totally understand and sympathize with that. Yes, now, here you are. And you can just stay in that, and then take, get, the, get the mind to really drink in the flavor of that. And then you can reestablish activities based on that. the activities based on that will be configured with the values of the center. Mm. Goodwill, virtue, sympathy, many, many beautiful things arise. The sankaras or the programs and the skillful programs arise from that discharge and they never leave it. They're like the branches of a tree. The limbs of enlightenment, the bodhunga, are like the branches coming away from this tree of central stillness. They lead out, they inform our actions, our mindfulness, investigation, our meditative actions, our actions in terms of how we are with each other, the generosity, the sharing, the interest, the warmth, the respect. Mm. And never leave that we feel centered within that. So, you know, this is, uh, comes from this one point, all the beauties arise from this one centered line. So rather than generate the idea of a self, who is clung to, who clings, who should stop clinging, who needs to figure out how to stop clinging. That self is a mythology. It's a concoction. It's a ghost that haunts you, haunts the mind. Where am I, what am I, how am I? What would I be, why am I, where was I? When will I ever? How long does it take for me? It's a whispering ghost. You try and you try and make it uh, settle and happy, but there is settledness and happiness in this center. So, as we practice, be as direct as possible. Where does the mind settle in the body? Mm. Where does the body act as a basis for awareness to rest? Whereby the tide of clinging can wash over and not be adhered to. The potent potentials for clinging can arise. So we find that line, or look for that line. Mm. You see. So you know you get challenged because you assume: I meditate; I shouldn't be someone who's affected by aversion. I shouldn't be someone who's affected by jealousy. Oh no! I hope nobody finds out. You know, I'm affected by jealousy. I'm greedy. I hope nobody finds out I'm gonna think about food. I'm greedy. I really got to try and do something about that because I'm a greedy person. Oh no, I've fallen in love with a yogi six rows back. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Shouldn't shouldn't have that happen to me, no way. (coughs) Yeah. Then I got obsessed about somebody's running shoes and I'm a pair like that, stop it. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, this is certainly deeply humiliating. And <laughs> it's an effect, perception, feeling is like this, craving and clinging is like this. There's the midline, hold that, don't get phased by this stuff that just <coughs> comes rushing up out of the system. This is the host of Mara throwing in a few things to get you jumping. Mm. So you just maintain that sati. Patience. And then there's different kinds of patience, you know, there's doormat patience, where you just uh, can't do anything about it. Not particularly, not particularly good. <laughs> then you have, uh, you know, noble patience, which is I bear presence. I neither agree nor disagree. <laughs> I just bear presence. <laughs> you know, I found this one useful for business meetings. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I could get myself and I'd go, oh, look, it's been three hours. Stop! Don't do that. We've already been through this but no, Stop! Do that. You no. it's bear. I refuse to let my mind get caught in impatience, ill-will, frustration, exasperation. I refuse <laughs> those temptations. We okay. call noble patience. Compassionate patience. I bear with another being out of compassion, out of kindness, you know. I bear with my stupidity or whatever it is seems to be mine with a sense of Oh she's having difficulty. Yeah. Bear with this. Don't get nasty and critical. Bear with your suffering in a compassionate way. Not in a resigned, defeated way. But in a compassionate, noble way. And this hold the line. Sati. So in this way, you look around and you see in any situation, in any form, whether it's you know, known form, sitting, standing, walking, spontaneous form, moving in and out of breakfast, doing your yogi chore, you know, look for the line. That uh, I recognize You know, the pressures, the pushes to tantalizing the why do I have to do this? So she got there first, he's grabbed that in front of me, all those kinds of things. I refuse to get involved with this kind of whirling on of, of suffering. I refuse to, you know I, I will not let my mind be overtaken by that. This is my freedom right now, my dignity, my worth right now, the rest of it. Not worth hassling over. So, this is the great relinquishment uh, that becomes possible. Right? Find your way within that, realize there are indeed uh, things that are needed wished for, uh, suitable, mm. space, mutual respect, mindfulness. Mm. the things to put one's energy towards, things that we do have some say over. Whether other re- people respect me or not, I don't know, but at least I can respect them. Then that's something that doesn't have to get taken away from me. And if we look after ourselves in this way, we look after others. And if we can be those who look after others with our compassion, our patience, our steadiness, we also look after ourselves. The heart is free from the tides of suffering. you